want y'all find your seats and Anwin and I are gonna jump into a conversation. That was powerful, Jesse, and appropriate and perfect. I feel like I just got some stuff in me I need to get out before Anwin and I jump into this. I hope you can focus on me. I did not eat breakfast. If I did, I wouldn't be able to speak probably. When Jesus came to the earth, listen to me, you would think it would be so spectacular that the whole world would know. No one knew, except a few. And it's kind of, the story's weird. Blake's talked about it many times. I want you to ask yourself this question. If the Lord Jesus manifested in Greenville and he led what we know as a church, we know that he would talk about his father. That's not my question. What would it look like? What would the model look like? And Lamont, will you stand up for a second? Okay, so let's give her a hand back here. And Lamont, that's not her name. Her name is Dawn King. I uh, gave her a word years ago. I saw the words Anne Lamont over her. Dawn, and Anne is a, a very much, uh, um, how would you describe Anne as an author? Um, she would love, she would love this place, I think. And uh, Dawn has a burning in her, really, of what Marnie just talked about. Would you agree with that? Okay, so what, what does Dawn have a burning in her for? There's something about this property that Dawn burns for that she believes God's just going to draw people here, but not to come to some entertainment service. There seems to be this, let me ask you to flesh this out. There seems to be this monastic retreat. Nora Jones, come away with me anointing on this house. Let's take the marriage retreat last year, for instance. It was up in Asheville. None of us wanted to come home. God was there. It was messy, but God was there. What do you hear me saying? This thing that burns in dawn, this thing that burns in Marnie, there seems to be this come away with me monastic thing on this house. What am I talking about? Um, well, if you're from England, then um, the land is actually covered with monasteries that were from ancient days. And a monastery was a place where um, a faith community would be planted on the land. They would work the land. They would have rhythms of prayer. Um, they actually often had a place where the sick would come and get healed. And they actually had a hospital often. Um, and it was a place of, I mean, it's now those places are used as a retreat place. And so what I hear you saying is that um, I've heard you say a lot that the father has called you specifically to clear up charismatic rubbish. Mm -hmm. And I actually believe that one of the ways we do that is to be balanced with um, practice disciplines, practices of contemplative prayer, mm -hmm. rhythms of life that help us not just believe that the Holy Spirit lives in this temple, but we truly are the temple and that we, um, we are taking that temple everywhere we go. Think about Apostle Paul. Yeah. Just getting the word in your mind. Where did he do almost every one of his astounding miracles? It wasn't in a service like this. No. It was in the marketplace. And so what's happening here is, I'm going to write a book this time next year called Jesus Has Left the Building. The model, I'm talking about the model of church is so drastically changing around the world. If you're here this morning, you really want God, let's be honest. Because globally, less and less people are attending a church service. So I know I'm speaking to the choir. This is my question I'm asking. Okay, you're here because you have a passion for God or you don't have any money and you need a free breakfast, which is fine. If you're a college kid, I, listen, our college ministry ought to explode around here if they know about it. Where do you find God? Let's just go to the scriptures. Let's think about it. 
you find God in unexpected places. And typically the way Jesus bonded with his father was not just in public. He went to the synagogue from time to time and he went to the temple from time to time. But his ethos, his rigorous habit, he was always withdrawing. The year of Nora Jones, what a word. All right, you are, uh, oh, I have one more word I need to release. Micah, I saw when, we, when I was up here on stage, I was very emotional. I saw you in a boat with no paddles and I saw fish jumping into the boat and your journey with Lindsay and Ecclesia. Every single one of your clients and customers, 100% will not come from natural realm thinking or training or expertise or intellect. It will come from your communion behind closed doors. And you will be like, how in the world is this working? A lot of people don't understand in the marketplace, favor comes with, from intimacy with God, not just learning your craft. It seems like Las Vegas is the location of every trade show in America. I don't care if you sell cotton, toothpicks, or you own 30 businesses. It's like, well, I got to go to Las Vegas. I gotta I'm going to tell you who you need to connect with. Connect with the most high God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills that knows how many hairs are on everybody's heads, including, I could probably figure out how many are on Greg's head over there. But if you got a lot of hair, God knows how many strands of hair. What I'm saying is this, what if you, instead of trying to be Mr. or Mrs. Business Leader, I'm seeing it over you too. I keep seeing this over you. Just Nora Jones with God and look at your ledger at the end of the year. And then give me a tip off of that prophetic word when you cash out in December. All right. That was a joke for those of you who don't know. Yes. <laughs> Let's jump in. You're in charge of this uh, conversation. Blake's done a great job with the team of giving us some content. Clarity, where we're moving this year. Go for it. I just really wanted us to have a conversation about um, fasting and feasting. Because um, if you've been watching any of the social media that we've been posting over the last two weeks, hopefully you will have seen the video that Armando made, which is beautiful. Um, but we feel called um, today to start a 40-day fast. And I think it's really important that we understand why we do these things. Because the, the Old Testament way of looking at fasting is basically creates obligation um, or compliance which can look like obedience um, on the outside, but actually has a very different heart motive. And I think it's really important that when we're talking about fasting and feasting, that we understand the why. So why are we doing a 40-day fast starting tonight at sundown? I think it matches uh, the prophetic word over the house for the year, communion. Mm -hmm. So if I'm giving up food or giving up some other form of pleasure, um, in today's world, really, media and especially for younger people can be, it, it can be really a hook, uh, a distraction. I think the purpose of it is not to be miserable. The purpose of it is to bond with the father. And so why does it take giving something up to bond with him in greater ways? Is it because he's sadistic? Is it because he's a legalist? I think this is what it is. As long as we're in these earth suits, we are sheep. We are so distracted. I think it's more about getting rid of distractions. Yeah. And so as we get rid of distractions, if you step into it in some legalistic way, I'll be honest with you, I have done some fast over the years that were more about losing weight or more religious than communion, and, and I never finished them. The fast that I've gone on, and I've been on quite a few, the ones that are successful are the ones where it's for the purpose of communion mm -hmm. 
not just um, pain. What's fasting done in you? Like, have you enjoyed it? No. <laughs> no. If you say you enjoy fasting, I, I mean, I, I don't believe you. Um, uh, you know what? I had to call Jamie Galloway one time because I did a 40-day fast. And about 30 days in, I was like, I haven't heard his voice one time. And I called, and I said, Holy Spirit, I just don't know what to do. And I, I just called Jamie. I said, Jamie, I've never called you to give me a word in my life. <laughs> and I said, I'm on a fast and nothing's happening. He gave me a word and he goes, no, you're seeing it wrong. He gave me a passage out of the Old Testament that was the purpose of a fast was to train me in different ways. It was to, um, you know, faith is the ability to connect with God above my five senses. So I can taste, see, hear, smell, touch. Fasting, like, it so deadens those things. It so um, subdues them that the faith, the faith, in the faith realm, you get higher. Yep. But to say that was enjoyable, mm-mm. I remember one time, uh, it was a spiritual warfare fast that God called me on. I didn't know it at the time. It was a 21-day fast. In the first 20 days, it was almost like, what am I even doing? And on day 21, I had a powerful encounter with him. We have to fast on his terms, not ours. And these, our five senses so rule us that faith is going beyond those five senses. So a fast really puts those things in check. If our fasting is actually leading us to deeper connection, I think it's really important because we had this conversation before service that actually each one of us is listening to Holy Spirit and asking Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to fast from? Because I think one of the things I've seen in the past is when we do a corporate fast, people are doing comparison and they're saying, oh, what are you doing and what am I doing? And then they're trying to check in on whether they're doing the right thing or not, which is actually religious behavior, by the way. And actually, if this is about connection to Abba, then what I need to fast from is different to you. And we even had that conversation before. Because when, when you asked me, like, what am I doing? You were like, there's no way I could do that because it wouldn't feel like a fast to me. Mm-hmm. But he's really dialed down to me what are the specific things that he wants me to release for a season. They're good things. They're all really good things. But for a season, I'm releasing them to, fast, to feast on him. So what are the things that you are going to fast and how are you going to do it? How are you going to feast on him and then how are you going to fast from stuff? You know, even being 49, I've been walking with God since I was 12. It's wild when you hear him say something and it's just, it like startles you so opposite the way you think. So I came to the altar and um, I said, there's nothing I won't do. Tell me what you want me to do. And he said, for you, moderation is a fast. And he said, I've never had him say this before to me. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to put on paper what you believe consecration is for you. And I want you to stick to that because you struggle with inconsistency. It's actually easier for me to fast for 40 days than it is for me to eat one meal a day for 40 days. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of counseling I could go to for that. I don't, you know, don't, don't overanalyze it. I'm just saying, I actually expected to come in here this morning and it'd be like, I'm about to charge hell with a water pistol. It's about to be 40 days of misery. To me, moderation is more, that's what he's calling me into. I think it's really important that, um, you know, I've also been in situations before where people say I'm fasting TV or I'm fasting, which I'm going to do that as well. Why is fasting from food so important? 
you can't live without food. Past what? I don't mean not too many days, 100 days maybe. It, it um, well, let's go to the Bible. So I want to align, make his norm my norm. From Genesis to Revelation, all the greats, even though they were broken just like we are, all of them in here, it wasn't fasting from other things. It was food. It is, uh, do people go to the gym as much in England as they do here? Uh, in January, they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know how when you go to the gym and you can go to the gym for two hours and not work out. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you see that one guy or that one girl that's there for 12 minutes and it's like, good Lord, I would die if I did that. Can I fast from social media? Yeah. But when you give up food, it, because your flesh craves it. Yeah. Like right now, I'm very thirsty. I can feel I need water. It's just the highest level of consecration. And if we're not careful, we'll so water down what consecration is that we think we go an hour without checking email and we need to be putting some Guinness book of world records for consecration. For me, um, it, it's this thing of feeling hungry. It's connecting that immediately as soon as you feel hungry to prayer. Because in the word, fasting and prayer always goes together. And there's something about actually in your body feeling weak and feeling dependent that pushes you to that connection prayer, to saying, Abba, I need you, help me. Um, and I think honestly, in our culture, we are so not used to being hungry. We're not. We snack on everything all the time, and it curbs our hunger for the Lord all the time. I mean, we've just spent 38 days feasting. I counted it. From Thanksgiving to today is 38 days, and we've been more than happy to do that and to add a few pounds on all our bodies through the feasting. And I think the next 40 days is about adding pounds into spiritual capital. It's about saying, I'm going to take away these things from my life. Like, I'm going to take away food, and I'm going to take away TV, and I'm going to take away, um, you know, certain, like, times of the day that I would go and be on my own because that comforts me, and I'm going to choose into what you're calling me to with my family, for example. You know, and I'm going to feast on the books that you've asked me to read for a while and they've been sat in a pile next to my bed because I've just chosen other things and I've distracted myself yep. away from things that will actually feed my spirit and feed my relationship with you. I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but if our eyes could be open to Ephesians 6.12, there's an aspect of fasting that you may have never considered. You know, a lot of spiritual warfare in your life, when you abide in intimacy, God defeats the enemy for you and you didn't even know what was coming at you. When you fast and it's God ordained and it's consecration, there is a literal superpower released against the enemy. I don't have time to go into it. Get into Isaiah. There, there are fasts that can break chains of demonic torture over your marriage, over your mind, over your finances. If we knew the power behind fasting, we, it would be a little easier to give up food. I understand the purpose of my eight or nine fast in my past more now than I do then. Specifically, the hardest, the second hardest season that I've ever gone through in leadership, I was driving to work one day and the father said to me, do it, start a 21 day fast, do it today. And there was a grace on it. I'm telling you, I wasn't hungry for 21 days. The day I stopped that fast, all hell broke loose in my life. Thank you, ma'am. 
And the father showed me without that fast, I would not have driven the enemy back under his grace. So yes, it hurts a little bit. If your eyes could be open to the unseen world of what fasting does, eat this, it even applies. It's really odd. Even people that are not in Christ, there is a power release when you give up food. Go, go read the story of India, how India was affected by one man not eating. Um, every significant leader in God's kingdom I've ever heard of, they've all gone on a 40-day fast. All of them. Jesus Christ, sinless. He's reminded me one time on 21-day fast, I said, I'm starving. He said, try going 40. <laughs> Jesus Christ, sinless, went into a desert and didn't eat for 40 days. And then he was released into a level of power that we don't see in the scriptures before then. Let that sink in. Let it sink in. He's never committed a sin. He is God in flesh. Yet there was a higher level of power released to him after the fast. This is serious business. And now that I have revelation of that, I can choose to be obedient to what he's asking me to do over the next 40 days. My disobedience could cost me in my next assignment. Chew on that for a second. Let's say you're in the marketplace. God's given you some dreams. You can see five years down the road of where he could take your company or companies. What if it was predicated upon your ability to not eat for a while? In America, people are like, what the heck are you talking about? Can't we just like sing a few Bethel songs or something and drink some coffee and go home? Well, maybe he's calling you to stop listening to Christian music for the next 40 days and stop listening to podcasts and, and don't eat and go sit with him for three hours. When it hurts, you grow. Now he's showing me this. When it hurts, the angelic's released. There's some of you in here right now that the father wants to release a new angelic force in your life for your favor. We hold up heaven way more than we think. So I can stuff myself with Abba or I can stuff myself with what I'm going to stuff myself with at dinner tonight because the fast doesn't start till tonight. It's, it's, it's what you're going to stuff yourself with. Only in America can we have pizza companies now where you stuff the crust, you double stuff the, the everything. Fasting is about stuffing myself with Abba. But in order to do that, I got to say no. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so on your tables, we would love you to ask the question, what's the Holy Spirit asking you to do? And that means that there should be about 300 different answers in here, okay? So we're going to give you five minutes just on your tables to ask Holy Spirit. If you haven't already, sit for a minute in prayer and ask him. He, he's great at bringing revelation. He doesn't need loads of time to show you. But what is he asking you to do as you step into this next 40 days?